Hello and welcome to For the Love of People podcast. My name is Shania Khan. I'm a marketing expert, business coach, brand strategist, and founder of For the Love of People group, content marketing agency. I love helping people nail down their brand message via great content that people will absolutely love. If you're looking to grow your business and yourself professionally, personally, this podcast is definitely for you. My goal is to take you and your brand to the next level by inspiring you with stories from other brand founders like myself. I provide you with specific tips and tricks to take your marketing and self-development game to the next level. We're about to have so much fun together. Thank you again for joining me and let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of For the Love of People. Um, I have another guest on today and the guests are rolling in now because it's a new year and um, people are having more time to spend uh, with us recording. So I wanted to welcome Mike Zeller to my podcast. Um, He's basically a, a man of many talents, but he's a business architect who strategizes with entrepreneurs on finding their genius zone, creating irresistible offers, and getting unstuck and fueling momentum. And Mike, let me tell you, the unstuck part, it totally speaks with me because there are days when I am just like completely stuck and have no idea where to go next. And I love that you wrote that because just because you're stuck uh, doesn't mean you can't get unstuck. And just because uh, you get unstuck doesn't mean that you still know where you're going, right? So because sometimes you just keep droning on and doing the same thing over and over. So I wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself and kind of dive in on what you do. Then we'll go from there. Love it. Well, thank you for having me on. Honored to connect with you and your listeners and cannot wait to dive in further. But, you know, I basically started considering myself a business architect because I started realizing that a lot of what I do and a lot of the success of a business depends on how you design it. And, you know, I've started 16 different businesses and we've done, you know, nine figures in total revenue in those ventures, but obviously not all of them succeeded. So I started asking myself, hey, why why am I succeeding over here? But why did I fail over here? Or why did I succeed in this venture at the beginning or the first three, four or five years, but then it flopped after that? Or, you know, it, and then what are the hallmarks of success? And it was, I realized, you know, it's at the fundamental level, people that get exceptional results put themselves in exceptionally right positions. And businesses that become exceptionally exceptional are exceptionally designed. Like if you look at the ecosystem of Apple, you look at Amazon, you look at, you know, a luxury brand like Louis Vuitton, they design the business. It, it, yes, some of it is haphazard, some of it is accidental, that they stumbled onto something, but they were, in essence, architecting out the business. And so as I started mentoring entrepreneurs and business owners, I realized, hey, the fundamental thing that I can do uh, and be one of the best in the world at is helping people design their businesses in a way that is most deeply aligned with them. Because your business needs to look very different than mine because you're very different. You have different stories. You have different gifts. You have different values. You have different life experiences. So that's how I became what I like to call business architect. I love that. And you are completely right. I It's funny you mentioned Louis Vuitton because I come from LVMH and they definitely know how to build 
um, a lifestyle and an aspirational one where you want to get your hands on their products just because they tell you you need to. And Apple does that too. They mm-hmm. suck you into the ecosystem and it's, you're part of the lifestyle that they are, they're pushing you to be a part of. And then you're really proud of it, you know? And if you meet another Android user, you don't know what to do because you have an iPhone and you're, you feel like you're cooler than them. So it's, <laughs> it's funny because, um, you're definitely right. There's definitely, um, a way to run a business. And I think, uh, when people don't have that story together and you know what, sometimes I, I just started my business three years ago and sometimes I feel like I don't have it together, but as I get in there and I, um, narrow it down and really niche it out, it's been working better for me than trying to service everybody. So how do you feel about, um, the people that go into business and I work with small business owners too. And they're, I'm like, who's your product for? And they say, everyone, um, how would you kind of steer them in the right direction after they, they told you that? Good question. Yeah, that's so common, right? Like everyone says that. And, and it's a fear of like maybe missing out, fear of leaving others out. But um, the first thing I would ask, well, if it's, who is it not for? I think that often helps people break it down. Like I, I'll walk people through, you know, then start breaking down the age, the, the uh, demographic, the uh, core avatar and the psychology, like when is someone ready to buy your product, ready to use your product? What are the real pain points that your product solves? Um, you know, that, that if they're not aware of, they miss out on like, it, you know, whose life or whose business does your product shift or change in a dramatic way. And, and really the, a fundamental question, I call it the, uh, one of the core power disqualifier questions of the 4% client. And this question is, and anyone listening, um, this will help determine is my product right for this person is do they have a bleeding neck? Like if you have, if you had a bleeding neck, Shania, would you pay almost anything to get it solved? Absolutely. (laughs) So if they don't have a bleeding neck, that your product solves, then they're not ready for your product. They're not your core client. Okay. I love that. And I'm going to use that and give you credit. Don't worry. But I love that because I do, I mean, running a marketing PR agency, we go and we meet with clients that are really wishy-washy and iffy about needing services. And I've always figured out, I figured out over having tons of meetings and wasting a lot of my time is if they're not convinced they want to hire you from the beginning. And if they, they feel like you're not worth it from the beginning, you're never going to be worth it. And they're never going to be convinced. Do you agree or? Yeah, I think often. So, uh, I mean, sometimes we have to remove, sometimes it's a block that they have around their own worth. It might not be, they might believe you are worth it, but sometimes it's like, man, they, they don't believe they can do it because they've failed. They've tried this. They've tried that. You know, you think of a weight loss uh, person, they might be like, well, yeah, you've helped all these people, but I don't believe in myself enough to do this. So, um, yeah, so I'm hundred percent with you. It's, it's, it's sometimes a process of figuring out, Hey, can they, can they make the leap? 
Okay. I love that. And then when you are speaking to um, business owners or entrepreneurs, what is um, something that you see often when you start coaching them and meeting with them? What is, what's one thing that you see pretty often? I know that's like a very broad question, but. <laughs> but no, I love it. Uh, one of my um, sessions I just was on, I was speaking to another group of entrepreneurs and I went around the room and I asked everyone in the room, um, do you see your business as your baby? And the leader, uh, the host of the group, of course, she raised her hand and said, yes, affirmatively, strongly, it's my baby. Then the next person said, yes. The next person said, yes, on and on and on. Well, the language of how you describe your venture determines its future. Because if I describe uh, my business as my baby, then as long as it stay, you know, you think of a baby. I, I'm about to have my first child, or my wife is, not me, but in four months. Um, and yeah. you know, when we have the baby, um, it's going to cry a lot. It's going to poop a lot. It's not going to produce a whole lot. Like the first six months, it basically it sits there, right? You know, it doesn't crawl. It doesn't walk. It doesn't talk. Then at about six months, you can start making faces and things like that. It's not, you know, the baby's eyes are clearer. Well, if I describe my business as a baby, then as my baby, then that also means I can't let go of control. And so I've boxed myself in with my language because you think of a baby, you don't want to leave a baby unattended. You don't want to leave a baby not watched over because it needs you, right? Like, you know, you can leave a teenager, although you might come home with a party at your house <laughs> on a weekend night, but you can leave a teenager and they can fend for themselves. And so the identity and language patterns around how we describe our relationship with our business determine our future. A lot of people and I find this a little bit more with with women entrepreneurs that I've worked with that, you know, I've worked with. I remember one client, she was she was doing about half a million, um, but she had to move past her own efforts um, as a podcaster and speaker and coach. She hadn't moved a whole lot past um, a couple of like freelancers and part time, very part time people, even though she was capable of far more but because she still saw her business as her baby. When we shifted that language that, hey, it would be wrong for us. Like, do you have any kids, by the way? No, but I have uh, three dogs, which I feel is more than enough. So. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> well, and if, if your dogs are like four or five years old and you're still having to like pick up their poop all over the house, they don't poop outside. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you have a teenager, you wouldn't want to go wipe his or her butt after changing the restroom, that would be wrong. That would be nasty and wrong. <laughs> well, yeah. some of us are trying to do that with our business. Our business is trying to move from an infant to a toddler, to a little kid, to a young, you know, to a teenager stage, but we're not letting it because we won't let go of control. That's why delegation, uh, first rule of delegation is if, if someone can do a job 80% as well as you can, you should delegate all day long. Right. And I also feel like when, when people are hiring, you're never going to be ready. So you just have to dive in and do it. And I, I, I did that from the beginning where I was like, I'm not even making enough money to pay myself in the first like six months, but I still hired someone because they took so much off my plate that I was wasting 
my time doing. So I completely agree with you. So if your business shouldn't be your baby, what should it be? You know, it, you should have a relationship with it. It's kind of like a child you, you guide, but you don't own your child. You're the steward, you know, as time goes on. So, um, and you build in the relationship needs to shift as the life cycle of your organization shifts as it moves from the infant to the toddler to the toddler to the young adult stage, it should shift. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people don't let it shift and they handcuff and they put a lid on it because um, they're so honestly operating from a state of scarcity or middle class mindset instead of a state of abundance and state of leadership. Yeah, definitely. And I love that you said scarcity and abundance because I live my life like that mm. um, all the time. Meditation. Yeah. Um, I read a lot of books and I'm always, I wake up and I scream, today's going to be a great day. So it's funny that you said that. <laughs> That's that. why I was connected. I knew there was something. Um, so my next question, um, when you do meet with entrepreneurs or people that are looking to grow their business or themselves, um, one topic that comes up all the time for me is charging your worth. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you see this, I, I don't mean to generalize, but from my personal experience with women more, and how do you, how do you get them around charging what they're worth? Because they will go in so low sometimes. I mean, I've hired people, Mike, and I, I'm like, oh, okay, what salary you're looking for? And the salary, let's say when I used to hire people would pay like 65,000, right? A mm -hmm. year. And they would come in and say, oh, I don't know, like 28 is fine. And I never heard that from the men I was hiring. I always heard it from women. And I used to be so shocked um, that they would say that, that, you know, oftentimes they wouldn't get the job because the self-worth was so low. But how, how do you coach people around doing detrimental stuff like that to themselves where they leave so much money on the table? Yeah, it's very common. I, I agree. It is, it's probably more common with women, um, just as it would be like with minorities or immigrants. And my dad was an immigrant. So I, you know, I get a lot of that. It's an identity uh, shift of self-worth. Um, if, you know, if you look at it, you know, uh, there's a lot of subconscious blocks and you're probably familiar with the four agreements. Um, but one of the core four agreements is, and the whole thought process of the four agreements is if you make an agreement, whether it's true or not, it is true to you. And so when someone does not feel or see their worth or says, you know, it should be a $65,000 a year role and they're asking for 28,000, then that's a worth. It's an agreement that I am only worth this or that this cannot happen, you know, until this happens or whatever. So there's, we do it as entrepreneurs and employees do it as well. So um, I think you have to, one of the things I love to help a lot of my clients through is, is developing out their alter ego. Like I have my alter ego, I have several, but one of them is like timid Mike or weak ass Willie. And then I also have magic Mike. Magic Mike shows up differently. Magic Mike brings his strength, his power, his magnetism to his clients' lives and creates magic in their life and their businesses, and he doesn't hold back. You know, what's your, what if, what if you could just describe and create and identify and connect with your alter ego instead of your, what I like to call your weak-ass self? Who's, who's the badass in you? 
that needs to be brought to the surface. Right. I love, okay. So I'm loving this. You told me I would love it. I, I already love it. <laughs> Just like, uh, um, Beyonce says that when she gets on st- stage, she's not Beyonce, she's Sasha Fierce. So I totally resonate with that because there, you do have to get out of your mindset. And I, you know, same thing with me. I started my company and I would go into the meetings and just be like, Oh my God, like, what am I going to say? Like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to give these people a price. And you know what helped me eventually? Yes. Like going in and putting something else on and wearing something else that made me feel powerful. But then I also just let other people send proposals and give pricing. So I didn't have to do it because Mm -hmm. it, it if it makes me so uh, um, nervous or if I don't like to do it, why not just hire someone to do it for you? Or do you not agree with that? Um, well, I think you're, if you are the business owner and the leader of certain things, like I do agree that you need to outsource stuff that you are naturally not good at um, and that you're naturally not wired for. And then also hiring people that are good at those things helps you bust through some of those uh, invisible glass ceilings. Because then their energy, their belief, their identity rubs off on you. And if you together bust through that ceiling, then you internalize that as well. But um, oftentimes, like, you know, the obstacle is the way, right? Like in the resistance, when we face a lot of resistance, like uh, in one of my books, I wrote about a Boeing 737. Do you know how much a Boeing 737 weighs? No. Yeah, most people don't. I, I, I didn't know either until I read, read up on it. But they weigh 485 tons. Jesus. It's a lot of freaking weight. So how does this thing that is massively heavy, this big bird, but it's really a big, like, heavy tank, <laughs> flying tank in a way, get into the night sky? It creates enough resistance or it encounters enough resistance that the resistance forces us, forces the plane into the sky. So the wind lifts it, the wind being the resistance. So in our journey of life, lots of times we run from our resistance instead of running towards it. But when we run towards it, it creates a lift off. Right. Okay. That, that was amazing too. Um, and you're right. You know, I often ponder, um, yachts on water and then planes in the sky. And I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. if someone figured this out, what am I sitting there and doubting myself for? Um, and someone was always told they couldn't do something until they had to do it. And I agree with you. I've gotten better. And you're right. As I hired people to do it for me and have them in the meetings, <laughs> giving the pricing and, and talking about the price structure, I did take some of that in and say, okay, well, this is how we can work around it. But I also feel like when you're the business owner, people think they can get away with way more or Mm. right. Do you agree? It's like, Oh, well, I'm just going to go straight to Shania because I feel like Shania is going to work with me and you're not. And I, I sometimes still don't know how to get around that. I'm like, no, please don't call me. The price is the price, you know? Yeah. I think it's, um, it's continuing to embed certainty and boundaries within organizations. Like I remember when I, uh, when I first started out in real estate, I remember like one night I was, um, it was Saturday night and I got a text at like 10 o'clock at night from a good friend of mine who was asking about his open house the next day. And, and I was on a date and it made me angry. It was like literally made me angry. I was like, 
why the freak is Simon texting me right now? Um, it's not urgent. It's not critical. And it's disrupting my downtime. And I was like, that's not respectful, but I didn't, I didn't have firm boundaries. So I was like, so then the next few weeks I started working out like my very first meeting, I'd set the expectation, set the boundaries uh, and have the energy that, Hey, my working hours are X to X. These are the standards. These are expectations. They, you know, when we're working through this, I'm more available when we're, you know, negotiating a deal and then I'm at your, you know, I'm going to make sure we do whatever we can to make it happen. But when it's not urgent, you don't need, you don't text me. You don't text me at like eight o'clock at night. You shoot me an email. I get back to you within 24 hours pricing. Same thing. It's like, um, setting the stage with your clients, with the language. I don't know. I, I'd be glad to take a look and see on anything in terms of language. Um, because that conveys, Hey, you know, do you have, uh, and, and we all get those sometimes. So, um, you might actually be de- pretty strong at it, but it, um, you know, there's always room for improvement too. <laughs> so yeah, no, definitely. I I mean, every single day, I'm I'm a student of life. I call myself. So every single day, I'm learning. There's nothing, you know. I don't know everything, and that's a good thing because yeah. nobody does. And I think the most ignorant people in the world sit and say they know everything. So I'm always learning. I'm always open to learn, and I'm I'm always open to learn from people in the same industry, competitors, even and see what they're doing. I'm no shame in that game, you know, cause it's only improving yourself. Yeah. Um, so we met on clubhouse and I wanted to talk about clubhouse cause it's such a hot topic lately of people in the know. I'm using my air quotes, but we met on clubhouse. You were in a room and I thought you were just so um, amazing. And the, some of the rooms I go into are just so inspiring and so amazing. And some of the rooms I go into, I feel like some people don't have any business I don't have any business really moderating or speaking because I I feel like they're not really sure of what they're saying. So my question to you is, how do you feel about Clubhouse? And how do you feel about the future of Clubhouse? Man, I think Clubhouse is going to be massive. And I love it. It's like um, for, for anyone that has real wisdom and knowledge, like, you know, you've got real wisdom and knowledge in your PR uh, and marketing experience, right? So, um, you know, hosting rooms, it's like you're hosting virtual speaking events, live speaking events all the time um, when you're hosting or speaking on these panels. Uh, I think if you get in, like a lot of the rooms I've been on, they've had like 1,500, 1,800 people listening in. And so when I'm speaking in those rooms, I'm like, now I've got 1,800 people listening to me live. And the connectivity, I, I think it's one of the most innovative. I would have never guessed it because I'm like, ah, this is age of video, the age of face-to-face or whatever, of connectivity. Um, but just pure audio has worked incredibly. And it, it's, it's a really surprising to me how powerful that's been. Um, and the new relationships that I've built, like I, I, I've had, a, I'm fortunate to have amazing relationships with top entrepreneurs and leaders and authors and speakers and all that. But I'm just reconnecting with old friends that I hadn't talked to hardly in like two, three years on right. Clubhouse because we're on right. these speaker panels or whatever. And, and I'm like, dude, Drew, I love your wisdom, you know, and all that. Do you feel it, it kind of takes out that, um, 
you know, when you're in a room and you're speaking to a lot of people and I've done like speaking engagements too, do you feel it takes the pressure off everybody in the room? Cause no one's like looking at them, staring at them and it's more auditory and it's kind of more relaxed. Is that, do you feel that's why it works? It's like live podcasting in a way. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It is yeah. Like live podcasting. Um, I think it does release some pressure, but some people still get really nervous. I mean, I've had a few moments where I got nervous for whatever reason as well. Um, but I think it's, it's just, um, it makes it more approachable. And I think when you have good moderators that make it easier for people to come on and ask questions and engage, and that really goes a long way too. Right. And how do you feel? Um, cause I know you're, you're in several rooms, you're moderating, you're speaking. Um, and do you feel that that's also helped your Instagram and your other accounts grow and so that's the first question, and then I'll ask the other one after. Yeah, hundred percent. Like my uh, my engagement, my Instagram uh, growth has been much stronger because of that. The the people that I'm interacting with, um, I, I think it's been phenomenal. Because um, it's also like really cool to see how people, um, you know, you can invite people to DM you, and and if you offer something of value, for example, I've got a whole uh, worksheet that I'm going to turn into a course and another book in the future on rewriting your money story. So I'll have people DM me about that or about like, Hey, you need to figure out your 4% client that can produce 64% of your revenue. So I've got a whole process that I take my, you know, $60,000 a year clients through. And when I, people DM me and then I'll have it sent out. My VA sends it out, but now we have a relationship. And I've provided value and, and made a connection. It doesn't mean they buy anything right away. Um, but uh, I'm on their radar and they're on mine. It's a great awareness app is the way I look at it. It really is. I've, I've felt like I've, I've met you and I've met so many people on there and I follow them on Instagram. And uh, honestly, there are times where I'm like, where has this person been my whole life? I, why was <laughs> I following this person? You know, some of them are really popular and I've never, you know, interacted yeah. with so I, I think it's a very cool app for that. But then there's the other part of Clubhouse where I feel like it's such a time suck. Yeah. That it distracts me because, you know, listening to something constantly for two, three hours is probably not healthy at one point. So how do you get around that? Because I feel like it, it's a time suck. Yeah, it can be. It's, a, it's like anything. And it's new. And, it's, and the connectivity also makes like you're getting live positive it's kind of like you're i'm talking to you and you are giving me that positive oxytocin release of like what we get when we get a facebook or instagram like or comment so getting that live all the time so it can be a suck on that um i've found i won't for me most of the time i will not stay in a room very long unless just where i'm at where my time's worth you know 1200 bucks an hour i'm not gonna stay in a room if I'm not going to be invited up to speak for most cases, because um, it, now it doesn't mean I'm not there to learn. I'm definitely there to learn. But if I'm, uh, you have to evaluate the trade-off of learning yeah. versus engaging versus uh, speaking. So I, I encourage everyone, wherever you're at, you're further along than someone in something. So host some rooms, even if you got 12 people in there. You know, they're, you're building relationships, you're practicing your craft. Um, you know, it, it, it can be 
beautiful for just practice. Yeah, I, I agree. It's also good for speaking because when you listen to yourself speaking, sometimes like, oh gosh, I say this so much or I do this so much. And it kind of helps you um, narrow it down. And I've, I've learned also after I hosted a couple of rooms, it gives you really great feedback uh, about what questions people are asking repeatedly and what you should be focusing more on in your business. So mm-hmm. I got some really great feedback where people kept asking, well, how do I get press for myself? How do I get press for myself? And it was a repeated thing. And what's a, a press release template look like? So I'm actually developing one to have people download from our website because even if they don't want to pay for it, they should be able to know how to, how to um, put out press releases themselves until they can afford a publicist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really good market research for me. So I do go on there and pop on, I mean, those rooms that have like 3000 people in them, it gets a little crazy because I, I feel like you're drowning in the room. Um, so I do like to join smaller rooms, but do you have advice for someone that's getting on clubhouse on how to utilize it the best way possible? Good question. Um, I do have a, actually a lot of advice that I'm working on. Um, I bought the domain secretsofclubhouse.com. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so I've got a three-page PDF that I'm creating, and then I'm also going to create some YouTube videos on it around moderating rooms, around being on stage, around making connections, around you know collaboration, inviting others up to stages, hosting rooms, um, so the, the, the uh, let's break it down to like three to five pieces of, of advice. First, um, find windows and like you, you've been doing where you get in a room and you're like, oh man, there's some people on here that are just talking too much that should not be talking. Right. Um, <laughs> Everyone's a entrepreneur. I'm like, really? Come on, people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they're going on sometimes long stories. I'm like, like, yeah, I'm with you. Um, And second, um, like there are some amazing people in the groups um, and amazing rooms. So pop into the ones that will stretch you. Like I've learned more about TikTok and LinkedIn and these other things and social media uh, engagement than I've ever had before just by listening in on some of those groups. But then thirdly, uh, spend at least 50% of your time in Clubhouse on stages. So create your own if you have to, um, but get on other people's stages and help and support. And just, uh, you know, this is such the, the app is incredible for collaboration. So when you're on stage, you're building up the other moderators, you're building up the questions that are being asked and the people and you're just giving value. The greatest givers win. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And there's people that uh, like you, they give so much information and you're writing it down and you're just like, wow, this person's amazing. I'm going to go follow this person and get more knowledge. I think eventually, I mean, I've had some um, people come from Clubhouse and follow me and start messaging me. Again, as you said, they're not clients yet, but it takes time to build trust and yeah. they eventually will be. But I think it's, it has been a great opportunity for that. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think finding the rooms you're supposed to be in and if you're smelling bullshit, essentially, to kind of exit <laughs> the room and go find a new one. Yeah. And I think we've all been there where you're sitting in the room. And you're like, no, this makes this is I, this makes no sense. What are you what are you talking about right now? And 
I think it's best to leave those rooms and start your own. But do you, what else? Let's see. We, I think you gave us three. Uh, yeah, I'll give one more. I was in another room that a couple of friends of mine had were leading and they have massive audiences like outside of Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And I was in the room and there's like 22 people in the room. And it was just those three people on stage talking. I was like, they, they're not using Clubhouse right I didn't tell them that because they weren't asking for my advice, but like, I'm like, why does this person, if he or she goes on Instagram, they get 10,000 views on their story, but you know, they're in clubhouse and they're getting 22 people listening. (laughs) And I was like, because they didn't invite anyone else up to the moderator panel. They weren't engaging the audience and weren't inviting people into the room. And they were, they were, they were treating it like it was a YouTube show. Right. Podcast that it's a one way communication methodology, which it's not. Right. So respect, respect the uh, type of platform it is. If you, uh, no matter how big your following is, no matter how much you want to talk, it's a platform that creates collaboration and connection, not talking head. Right. And because if we wanted a talking head, we would go on YouTube or we would go exactly. listen to podcasts and not have feedback. I've been in rooms like that where they just turn off um, hand raising and there's only like 15 people in there. I'm like, no, you can't just talk at me for two hours and I'm not not able to say anything at all. And then I have noticed there are some moderators that are um, extremely... Um, uh, how do I say it? Uh, bitchy and um, <laughs> they have huge egos and you're going up there and you're asking a question and they're like, okay, well, one question, are you done? You need to, you know, so I do believe if you, it, I, I feel like clubhouse should be treated as if you're doing a, a live event and that feedback is always needed from your audience, right? Like you ask questions, mm-hmm. you go around the room, you let them speak. I think clubhouse should be definitely be more collaborative instead of, talking heads as you said where you're just listening to someone and like i didn't sign up to do that you know exactly yeah Yeah. insane that you're able to collaborate raise your hand speak and ask questions and if that's not the case maybe go in there i mean sometimes you have huge um people that are in the rooms that you definitely want to listen to you know because they've done so much and i would pay money to listen to them just be a talking head but you're right. The the smaller rooms where someone's just like a talking bobblehead, I, I don't have the time for it to leave. And then how do you feel about narrowing down what you're interested in? How does that happen? Because when you go on there, it's overwhelming. Yeah. You know, I I think it's um so one of my inspirational figures and and I kind of consider myself in a way a renaissance man. So I'm interested in a lot of things. Like fundamentally, Da Vinci one of his, a friend of mine wrote the book, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. And uh, da Vinci had seven traits. And one of them was curiosity, um, or curiosity. And if you look, when I look at Clubhouse, I'm like, all right, there's a lot of things I'm interested in. Now I'll spend a disproportionate amount of time in the revenue generating or the, the things that are like deeply aligned with my core mission. But then I also have an interest in health. I also have an interest in entertainment, uh, interest in politics and civil rights. And so I'll pop into those, but those might be 20 or 30 percent of my time. Um, it's, it's the whole prioritization of keeping the main thing, the main thing. 
And um, so I think I think we've got to have some caution and wisdom around that. Um, but I mean, have fun, experiment, like pop in some of these other rooms and because it stretches your mind and and even small rooms like I, I want to spend a little more time in some small rooms because like I was in one yesterday, I got invited up to speak and moderate and the other one of the other co-hosts started Dream Factory. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know much about him. And now I have a connection with him that I wouldn't have had because I was in a room with like, when I popped in, there was like 18 people. Right. Like, all right, cool. So I got a real connection with him. So. Right. No, that's amazing. And I think following people that you're interested in, if, if they resonate with you following them, because Clubhouse pings you every time they're talking or they're in a room. So I, yeah. I, I started doing that. If I'm in a room and I find someone really interesting, instantly I follow so that I know if they're in another room, I can kind of, follow them around and see who they're hanging out with. Um, and it becomes like your own little network on clubhouse where you can, um, and, and, and the different rooms. I agree with you. I've been in rooms where they're just talking about stuff way over my head, science and astrophysics. And I love it though. I absorb all of them. Like, this is amazing. This is so cool. And they're talking about, um, femtech and all these other, you know, things that I definitely want to know more about. So it's, it's very cool. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now that we've given Clubhouse all the promotion in the world, um, <laughs> right? Where everyone's going to want to get on it. Um, let's talk about your book and some of your favorite books. So tell me about your book. And then I want to hear what some of your favorite books are that have inspired you or if you picked one. Question. You know, so I have uh, two books in the works right now. One of them is called Find Your Genius, Your Natural Pathway to Wealth, Fulfillment and Impact. The other one is called uh, Twice Born, How a Crisis Can Remake You. And so, um, you know, that was my journey of remaking myself in the midst of trials and tribulations and and just crap hitting the fan. Um, So the first book, though, that that will come out later this year, Find Your Genius. um, Man, I've worked with a lot of talented entrepreneurs. A lot of the people that I would start working with, I mean, they some of them were seven figures, some of them were eight figures, some of them were six figures, some of them were just getting started. And they're all asking themselves at different stages. In essence, they're asking themselves, what on earth am I here for? Yeah. What's my purpose? Yeah. Where, where, what am I supposed to really do with my life? It's that age old human question. And I was like, I got to figure out a process to give clarity to people and I wanted to understand it myself. I'm insatiably curious myself. And then I was like, all oh, the other personality, if I just take one personality test, it's incomplete. If I take, read this one book, it tells a part of the picture, but not enough of it. I was like, I need to create a blueprint or a roadmap for getting uh, what I think is the greatest accumulation of clues you will ever have about yourself. And here's how important it is. It's so important that, you know, Socrates and Aristotle said the beginning of all knowledge to to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. King David said in Proverbs 16, 26, I think it is, better have self-control than to conquer a city. D. Hawk, the founder of Visa, as in Visa card, and who became a writer and, and researcher for Harvard as well after he retired from Visa, wrote that the very best leaders, like primo, el primo leaders in the world, 
they focus more than 50% of their time on leading themselves. In other words, self-knowledge, wisdom, as we talked a little bit earlier, um, you know, people that accomplish exceptionally right results find themselves, put themselves in exceptionally right positions. But I realized there was a problem. There's nothing in the marketplace for that that completed what, what I felt like a deep analysis of your unique gifts, your, the second piece, your key relationships, third piece, your key life experiences, and the fourth piece, your values and passions, an analysis of all of them, and then an understanding compiled together. Right. No, I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's like they're every, all the time, it's like pondering, like, what am I actually supposed to do? But I think maybe feeling it out as you go along works for me. It's if it doesn't feel good. Um, and no, everything shouldn't feel good all the time. Sometimes when you're exercising, you want it to stop, but, um, generally in business, if I'm having a meeting or if I'm talking to someone, it just doesn't feel good. There's no vibe. There's nothing going on. Mm -hmm. That's when I feel like I should walk away from that moment. So I try not to force things too much. Um, except for myself where I have to push harder to work out or eat healthy or stuff like that. But mm-hmm. other than that, if I'm having a meeting with someone and, and the vibes off and I'm, it's, I'm not feeling it, I feel like that's where the universe is nudging me in the direction to walk away from this, you know, kind of mm-hmm. walk away. So I'm excited to read your book. You know, I'm going to buy it. So I'll watch oh, out and watch it. And then what's your favorite book of all time? Number one. Hmm. That's so tough. Um, so hard. I know because people want to know 10 books. You can't. You have to know one. I'm going to have uh, – okay. I'm going to toss it up between The Alchemist, 4-Hour Workweek. Hmm. You know, if I had to distill it down to two books, it would probably be those two books. Okay. You know what's funny? I'm reading The Alchemist again because I read it every year. Yeah. Um, and I'm on. Um, I'm on. I'm like halfway done, and I'm telling you, this book is. Just, I just love it. And the Four Hour Work Week, I love this book as well. Um, I um. So you, I, I love your book choices. I think they're amazing, and uh-huh. I, I uh, also agree with life shouldn't be so hard. <laughs> exactly and and passionate and you should have you should laugh the whole way through and I think people that take life so seriously I feel kind of sorry for them so I'm excited for them to read your book because hopefully they will find their genius zone and find their purpose in life um so tell me a little bit about um uh how your how your business is structured um I know you founded 12 companies and you work with people one-on-one. So tell me how, how do people connect with you and work with you? Do you have, you have virtual programs? Tell me. Yeah, good question. So I I really have multiple layers and thanks for asking. I have, so, you know, I have a one-on-one VIP that's typically for a high six figure, seven figure entrepreneur, um, because it's, you know, it's 15 grand for 90 days. Uh, so it's not, not an easy, uh, pill to swallow. Um, then I have a symposium mastermind. So that's a group program that we have in-person retreats, even in the midst of COVID. In fact, I have my next retreat in Austin, Texas next week. 
at a beautiful 16,000 square foot house and just bringing in amazing guest speakers. But that I take people through what I call the aligned and prosperous expert pathway. It's really six steps of like creating aligned abundance by rewriting your money story to from the scarcity to the abundant identity that you were made to have. Secondly, finding your zone of genius. Thirdly, identify your 4% client that can produce 64% of your revenue. Four, uh, create an irresistible offer for your ideal client. And five, uh, build and scale uh, an A-player team. And six, is continue and enhance and establish expert authority. So like that's the, the aligned and prosperous expert pathway that would continually enhance. You know, you could be at six figures, taking that to high six figures. It's just improving each of those pieces. Um, and then I have a entry-level program uh, that's for people earlier in their coaching or consulting uh, companies um, that's typically six or eight weeks. And then uh, I also have an e-commerce mastermind called Founders Mastery with my buddy Colin Wayne. So we partner on that as well. So, um, and then have a course, Zone of Genius course. Um, Zone, the, it's called zoneofgeniuscourse.com, I think it is. Um, so those are my, my core offers and, and how I like to serve at the moment. So you're just busy all the time, right? Productive. <laughs> I hate the word busy. So you're just a very productive person, which now I feel like I need to do more with my life. Um, that's what you say. I saw on on your Instagram on on your stories um, where this retreat's going to be, and if you guys are listening, this place looks so pretty. I need to go. I need oh, to make it so nice and relaxing there. Yes, it's, uh, um, it's so much fun. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be so much fun, and obviously, COVID measures will be in place and stuff like that. So yeah. I think that um, there's always uh, I think there's always a time to work on yourself. And that leads me to my next question. So a lot of people that get into entrepreneurship or trying to better themselves, um, don't believe in getting coaches or paying someone else to tell them what to do. And I have my really great answer for that. Like you have no skin in the game and you really don't want to better yourself. If you're not hiring a coach, but why do you think people need everybody? My, the term everybody, that's the word I like to use needs a business coach. Um, good question. I think, you know, if you want to do something that you could do in two years and instead do it in 10, then don't get a coach or a mentor. So, you know, eventually you can get to where you want to go, but you will, instead of like borrowing from the lessons, like you pay a coach because of the mistakes they've made. So you're like, all right, that guy or that girl is going to help me avoid the mistakes. Um, and the more mistakes they've made, the more things they've tried. Like I've lost a million dollars. I've started 16 uh, businesses now at this point and I've failed a lot. I've succeeded a lot, you know, but I've also succeeded because I've failed more. Um, so I think you can borrow, borrow from someone else's wisdom. I mean, you get it from books. That's one form. You get it from courses. That's one form. You get them from listening to great podcasts like this. But if you have someone that is mentoring you, whether in a mastermind, a group program, or one-on-one, now you also got inherent accountability. You can't hide. If you're showing up, it's a lot harder to hide. You can hide. No one, you know, the author of the book that you have in your hands is not shouting at you saying, wake up. (laughs) Excuses. (laughs) Yeah. 
I agree with you. I, I, I think that accountability is number one and having someone to go to, to ask questions is really important. And also third point, when you start a business, you have no idea what you're doing. Going from corporate America to starting a business is a very different venture. Mm -hmm. And I believe business coaches and people like you are, are so valuable because again, the shortcut is there. It's like, no, you can't do this. No, you're screwing up here. And you're, have you noticed your like entire network changes when you start a business or become an entrepreneur? Those people that you hung out with before that did nine to fives with you. I don't know if you've ever been worked at a corporation or anything like that, but have you noticed your whole circle changes and then you have no one to ask anything? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And, and also like the nine to five, like I look at it in life, you, you know, I had my mastermind members go do a relationship inventory where they wrote down um, like aspirational relationships. They wrote down influential relationships. They wrote down people, they, the top 10 people they want to connect more deeply with. So they put, they become hyper intentional around the relationships because if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to go it alone, man, it's a freaking lonely road and you are like sabotaging who you could become. So hundred percent. That's like Jim Rome said, our lives are the product of the five people we're closest to. That's why I love masterminds and especially in person masterminds the best, even in the midst of COVID because the relationships change. Um, and unfortunately I have a VIP, uh, uh, client meeting coming up here in just a sec. So I have to, wrap in just a moment but um it's been such a pleasure connecting as well but be glad to recap anything here if, if, before we hop off don't know definitely i know you have to go thank you so much for giving me your time but quick note where can they find you and i'll put it in the notes to yeah. connect. um mikezeller.com that's z-e-l-l-e-r.com then you can also go to my instagram michael r zeller my zone of genius course.com and then Facebook is Michael or Michael Zeller as well as LinkedIn. But would love to connect with you guys. I've also got a um, whole guide on breaking through the 22 uh, mindset, uh, 22 keys to mindset mastery. So I'll shoot you that link as well. And um, would love to connect with any of you guys listening in. And thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure connecting. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you for taking the time. Have a wonderful day. And I will email you um, when we uh, launch the podcast. Sounds great. Beautiful. Thank you. You rock. Bye. See ya. For the love of people. 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 people.